What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Me, Myself and Basketball. The podcast brought to you, of course, by NBA UK fans, by the fans, for the fans. Check out NBA UK fans on social media. I'm your host, stand-up comedian and basketball fan, Nathan Caton. Uh, and you know how we do on this podcast. You know, we chat to a guest and they talk about, you know, their, their, their love for basketball, how they got into it. You know, take a trip down memory lane, etc., etc. And for the people who have been following the podcast so far, thank you, man. Appreciate all the support. You know, checking, listen to the podcast on your various platforms and showing love on social media for the podcast too. Thank you very much. Keep tuning in. We've got a lot more content for you guys, um, in, in, including this episode here today. Sw- oh, that's a, that's a smooth little segue, isn't it? Gosh. Today's guest is Josh Coyne. How are you, mate? I'm good, thank you. Thanks very much for having me. Oh no, thank you, thank you for coming on, man. I'm uh, much appreciated, mate. So we've we've spoken uh, before we start, we start recording, but uh, for, for for the people, big yourself up, introduce yourself, tell tell the people who you are. So I'm a uh, basketball fan primarily, uh, based in the UK, obviously, in kind of Leicestershire. Um, I'm a very kind of average recreational basketball player, and I write and record the occasional podcast nowadays for Double Clutch UK, um, where I'm one of the lead writers. Um, It's a podcast basically I jumped on after several hundred episodes many years ago um but it's a very like long-standing podcast uh, based here in the uk um and it's been a pleasure i've met a lot of people online through it uh, and you can catch me on twitter at at pound coin uh, but i think that might be something you're meant to do at the end of podcasts oh no mate it's okay mate do you man do you boo boo plug you. in right from the start exactly mate exactly yeah. <laughs> plug it at the start the middle and the end so people never forget <laughs> yeah okay so let Mate, let's get straight into it, because obviously you're heavily involved in basketball. When did it all start? Like, where did, where did your basketball journey begin? So, I guess, actually, I'm a somewhat unique scenario, really, for somebody on this side of the pond. I grew up around basketball pretty much every other night. Um, okay. Both my mum and dad played team basketball. Um, wow. So, so I, I would always be around the game, you know. I'd, I'd be there on, like, a Tuesday night in a dusty gym, uh, watching either my mum or dad or maybe both unfortunately due to a lack of local opportunity at kind of youth level mm. I didn't start playing until I was like 17 but I did have a ball in my hand in timeouts shooting at the hoop and then scurrying off as soon as the timeout whistle went but f- for those reasons I have always had a kind of semi-working knowledge of basketball um, and as a byproduct of that, of course, I've always had a semi-working knowledge of the NBA without really being able to watch it over here. So I, mm. I used to see old video from my my dad. My dad was a big fan. We'll get into that, I'm sure. Um, but I, I had like jerseys brought over from the states because my dad would travel a lot. So I would, I would, you know, I'd, I've got an old. Uh, staples well I guess the forum bought Kobe number eight jersey okay, in youth yeah. size I've got a Michael Jordan Bulls jersey I've got a weirdly a Penny Hardaway Team USA jersey so I've got all those kind of things like in miniature sizes in my collection because I grew up having that kind of outsider interest and knowledge in basketball and now it basically led me to where I am now just finding any excuse to talk about basketball that I can well, mate, you're on the right podcast, mate. Oh, man, I've got so many questions to ask you. Okay, so all right, first of all, your mum and dad played played basketball. I mean, 
did you feel pressure like okay i have to do something possible in my life otherwise <laughs> i'm laying this side down <laughs> maybe maybe that was my way to get more hugs from them <laughs> no no um honestly i uh I, I just like had that natural enthusiasm for it also um, I'm not like insanely tall, so I'm not someone who would hear it from absolutely everyone, but mm. I am somebody who, you know, I'm like six foot four. So there is an element of like, oh, you should play basketball or oh, you should play basketball. That kind of um, natural suggestion that you should maybe be near a basketball. And that that was also part of it. But no, just being around it. And, and, and I think that the exposure is the key thing, you know, like um, even with BBL clubs and that trying to get people in, in into seats in the UK to actually mm. experience how amazing the sport is, is the biggest challenge. And I think that that is an advantage that I had, really, I was able to watch even at kind of the level that my parents were at, which was a mixture. It was like mainly recreational local league, but also my mum played some national league women's. Um, and actually she also played men's league as well. But like it was, it, 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 there was a lot of natural exposure that I had to the game that most kids, I guess, wouldn't have just simply from watching it regularly and maybe noticing a, a, a close game, which is always the good entry point to to a new fan um, and then everything kind of had a domino effect really so I didn't necessarily feel pressure but I definitely was offered kind of the exclusive exposure a lot of kind of children wouldn't have okay you know I'm gonna say we've had a few guests now we're, 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 we're a few episodes into you know this this podcast and I can hands down say Josh you have got the coolest parents so far right and that <laughs> that includes my own because I've been a guest on episode one so no offense mum and dad if you listen to this but <laughs> Mate, I wish I had Josh's parents. Because, mate, growing up with both your mum and dad, I mean, one parent is cool enough, but both your parents, I mean, what what was that like? Yeah, it was pretty cool, man. Like um, like I said, I mean, everyone looks at their parents in a certain way. Like, you respect them. Uh, you, you know, well, hopefully most people do, depending on the situation. Um, <laughs> but but I guess in most ways, most children don't think their parents are cool. Like that, that's the general assumption. Hmm. However, that part of it, I was like, oh yeah, this is cool. Like, so like <laughs> mo most, most nights I wouldn't necessarily want to go see my friends rather than play basketball. I would like to go along with them. And, you know, 75% of the things that you go to when you're a kid, you're being dragged along to. It's pretty yeah. much just the way it is, isn't it? It definitely didn't feel that way. And it was, you know, great. And they also used to do an incredible thing. The, the, the local league clubs that my parents played for, they would do twinning. Have you heard of that? No. What do you mean? So, so essentially, you know how, um, I guess, towns in the uk are twinned with a european city oh, or yeah. town yeah yeah. yeah yeah so they would find the basketball club of the twinned town to where they play and they would uh they would do like swapsy um visits every year so they, they I, re I remember randomly just like being quite young and there being really tall french blokes kind of staying <laughs> in my house because they were over for the weekend because what they would do is they would have the, the, the opposite team play with a, a different member of the team, uh, sorry, stay with a, a different member of the team in their house, and then they would play them and then go out on the piss that night. So um, it was really quite cool. It was just cool to see what basketball can do to a kind of small um, community that, to be honest, even 
even though now it still feels like basketball is a bit of a niche sport to a certain degree in the UK. Yeah, back yeah. back then, it was like the Wild West. It was like your parents do what? <laughs> do, do you mean netball? What is basketball? <laughs> yeah. So who did? So who did your parents play for? Sorry. Oh, so, so they literally just a number of local towns in like Northamptonshire and Leicestershire, and then my my mum played for Leicestershire, I believe, in at like national level. Oh man, it's amazing, man. Uh, no, because yeah. imagine that. Like, you remember, like when you was a kid at school, you'd be like, "Well, my, my dad can beat up your dad, and my dad earns more money." You'd, you could say, "My dad would dunk on your dad's ass." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's doing my dad some. I mean, that is bigging up my dad a little bit too much. I don't think he had. <laughs> he, he didn't have the hops, but perhaps when everyone was kind of doing that kind of threat, I could say my dad would be able to hit a reliable mid-range jump shot <laughs> against your dad. <laughs> oh, mate, okay, that's cool, man. So so when so you said you started playing at 17, you said, yeah? Yeah, 17. So really, I already on to a bit of a loss, to be honest, in terms of becoming a, like a, a, a real good player. Um but I started to kind of train around maybe like 16, 15, 16, mm. and then started to play in games for like the local second team when I was 17 years old. Um, and I still play to this day. Okay. What, uh, what position? Extremely undersized big man. Um, okay. I, yeah. So to be honest, we're in a, for a multitude of circumstances, we're in a league that is like, we're a little bit, um, out of our like, like we're a little bit of a fish out of water at the moment. So I'm constantly playing against like six, nine, six, ten oh, guys okay. who who are like pushing me around. So <laughs> we're we're extreme small ball, but yeah, I'm a I'm a I'm like a four five. Okay, all right, cool, man. So when when did um was it your dad or your mum who got you into the NBA? When did that start coming through? Yeah, so I guess it. Yeah, I guess it started when I would hear things from my dad who would come back from the States um, a lot of time. Um, so he, he started working for like in, in Northamptonshire for like a um, industrial battery company okay. who just happened to be like um, his boss were in like Irv- Irvine, California and a lot of people in like Los Angeles and stuff like that. Mm. Also like Pennsylvania, um, Chicago, New York. So one like real benefit of like his job at the time was to be able to go over to the States and uh, as a byproduct of that, due to his enthusiasm that he had picked up over here, him, he started to like request to go to games as much as possible so <laughs> nice. he, he, atten- he attended a lot of games uh, whilst he was over there and he'd, he'd often come back with a with a tiny jersey and I suppose that had a knock-on effect and made me start to kind of really think what is this thing <laughs> in terms of like really kicking on I really became kind of fully committed as a Celtics fan so I'm a, a I'm sorry to 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 spoil that but I'm a Celtics <laughs> fan and I really kind of became one back in like 2006, and and then of course the 2008 championship was the the kind of final straw. Mm. This was basically just before all of the off season movement in 2007 that formed the eventual big three. Mm. Um, but I, I'd already kind of been indoctrinated as a Celtics fan uh, by my dad, who was like a huge Larry Bird fan already, and okay. and, and probably. 
I probably, you know, when people kind of just pick a team randomly, I would say that a large of large part of the reason why I am a Boston Celtics fan is because my dad has Irish roots and chose the team based on the name. Okay. Um, the the other thing though is that I think that honestly I think that and I I, I would say that I was maybe the first generation of this perhaps. So I'm just over thirty now. I'd say that NBA two K games were were like a, a large major part of me learning about the game. Mm. And I now that I know that now in you know in in teenagers now, I mean that was that, that goes without saying. In fact, two K is probably a larger part of their life than any of the actual league itself, and there'd be thousands that feel that way. But at the time, I was kind of amazed by how much I was learning from the game. And despite going to like basketball coaching sessions and things like that, and maybe basketball camps, I'd say I was learning way more just by playing on the uh, on, on on NBA two K when I was like fifteen. Sure. And I think that that had just as big an impact on me as anything else. Quick question: Do you still play NBA two K? I do indeed, yeah. Okay, um, any good? Yeah, I'm okay. I'm working my way up on the uh, my career at the moment. Okay. Um, I, I, I'd say I'm a decent player, but I am reserving my answer until I know how good you are. Oh, mate, listen, I have no shame in admitting that I am shocking. I am shit. <laughs> I, no, I can't defend for shit. Like, it's hard. Yeah, mate, I, I don't know. I'm just not, I haven't mastered... How to defend? You know, you know, like okay, this can sound really bad. Like if I'm if I'm like playing like Call of Duty with my girlfriend or something, like you know, like mm-hmm. you, you get you get that like one person just like running to the corner and just running on the spot in the corner of the wall. That's yeah, yeah, that's yeah, kind of yeah. like me defending. Like I'm in the corner somewhere when the action's going on somewhere else because <laughs> I just haven't. It's like, I can't. It's like, the person I'm meant to be marking keeps on moving. It's like just prick stay still um, yeah. yeah 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 you should have that that should be one of the buttons just prick stay still button. <laughs> Try and get... exactly Gosh, yeah. life would be so much easier <laughs> but yeah okay cool man so yeah, I, I agree with you that 2k definitely did uh help open up the world decided upon to you know the, the nba and the league it definitely did and 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 you know what it nearly made me a detroit fan which is kind oh of crazy gosh. like despite d- despite the influence i'd had from my dad when I was playing 2K, for kind of obvious reasons, considering the year that I started playing, so 2005-ish, yeah. um, I really got into the Pistons at that point, and, they, and and I always played as them, so I just really found it probably easiest to play for them, because they were the you know recent champions at that time. And I actually even got some Chauncey Billups Pistons Adidas shoes, um, but they weren't able to fully crack me, my uh, my... Uh, green roots was were too strong. <laughs> you talked about uh, merchandise and memorabilia and stuff. So you got a lot of it from your dad coming back from the states. Do you remember the first the first piece of merchandise that you got? Uh, so the um, the one that he got me, or the one that I bought by myself. The first one. Well, let's do both. The first thing that he got yep. you, and then the first thing that you got. Okay, so I would say that it probably is. A, you know what? I think it might. It's either the Kobe two thousand, sorry, not two thousand eight, Kobe number eight jersey from probably around like the year two thousand mm. or maybe ninety nine, mm. um, or around the same time I got a Latrell Sprewell Knicks jersey. Okay. Um, from my from my dad. Um, I'm just actually checking. Um, you know what? I'm doing a bit of a um, sense check here. 
as to whether that could be the case. Let's have a look. One second. Yeah, I think it was the Knicks one. Uh, the okay. Latrell Sprewell one was my uh, my first jersey. Um, and then the Kobe, Kobe 2008 one. But in terms of buying myself, mm-hmm. see, I got a lot. I'm very lucky. I did get a, a lot as gifts because my, my parent, my, both my parents actually went to the f- uh, global games in like 2007. Uh, okay. Without me, so we won't mention any more about that. <laughs> and and uh, they got me like a Global Games London O2 Arena uh, Paul Pierce jersey, which is pretty cool. I've still got that. Oh, nice. Uh, so so that means a lot. But And then I would say, honestly, the next one that I bought by myself would have been in Boston, um, maybe when I was like, uh, maybe like 20. Because I, I travelled across the States when I was like 20 for a while and uh, just went to as much basketball as possible. And of course, as, a, as, a, as an in, intensely invested Celtics fan, um, I got a lot of merchandise. Wow, okay. So what, what year was this when you travelled to the States? So I've been, uh, so we went across in maybe, t- I think it was 2013, yeah, it was 2013, okay. we started in, in California, stayed with some friends, and then slowly made our way across the country in different cities, and visited like a multitude of different uh, NBA arenas where we could. Wow, mate, jealous. Okay, first of all, uh, tell us what, um, what um, a Celtics game is like. What a Celtics game was like. Yeah. Brilliant. I love the arena. I do think that basically there aren't many fan bases as good as Boston, especially in basketball. Mm. Um, and it actually led to me kind of since, I guess since then, like, so that was just outside, out of uni. That was a like save at a supermarket, save all your money and mm. spend it all in one big trip kind of vibe. But then as soon as like kind of all my, me and my friends were kind of more self-sustainable, I guess, and had regular income, we made it a habit of going once a, a year, basically, until this pandemic hit. Uh, so we do head to Boston quite often. and I think it's just such a great game day experience. Oh, wow. So you're probably going to go. Okay, well... Uh, f- favorite favorite game there that, that, that you've seen? Oh, uh, so so like I said, I mean pre pre pandemic, myself and my friends would go there once a year, either to catch a playoff homestand. That's usually the idea, and um, obviously for the sake of certainty, because you're obviously traveling across the world, you need it to be the first round because you can't guarantee a second round appearance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so you kind of we target the first round series. So we've seen a few of them, um, or we just target a week filled with home games because you know some sometimes you just have a random week where there's like yeah. four home games uh, yeah. for a team. And the most dramatic and crazy version of that was in 2017, which is during the absolute peak of the Isaiah Thomas run. Okay, and I actually looked it up ahead of this podcast to see you know, kind of uh, check my sources a little bit on what I could remember and check I wasn't going crazy. But he was absolutely on fire at that time. And as you know, like Isaiah at that time was was just on a different planet. He was like, it was a real lightning in the bottle moment because obviously he hasn't been able to recapture it any, any, anywhere else. The team was built around him and he was able to just kind of become a cult hero essentially in the space of a couple of years but I'd say that we were at the absolute in terms of consistency we were there for like peak Isaiah so what happened is we got there on the Sunday yeah 
He then dropped 41 in a win against the Pistons on the Monday. Bearing in mind, this is long before um, COVID changed our psyche on illness. Uh, I was really, really ill. <laughs> like, I, you know, when you know when you just feel like completely done. And I was like yeah. in the Airbnb every day, just summoning the strength to go to the arena down the road. But on the Wednesday, Isaiah then dropped forty-four on the on the. I I hate to say it, but on the Toronto Raptors. Uh, and then on the Friday, he dropped thirty-eight on the Lakers in another win. So three wins in a bounce on on the bounce where he gets more than thirty-eight. Um, yeah. But the absolute moment was on the Sunday because um, I'm not sure if you if you remember this as an NBA fan but Paul Pierce came back to Boston for his like final game in the garden uh, as a Los, Ange- as a oh, yeah. Los Angeles Clipper as you know mm. and we'd had really good seats on like the floor behind the basket most of the week because they're, they're, they're like the absolute sweet spot of like affordable and amazing seats so you just try and go behind the basket at a decent angle really low down um, where the atmosphere is amazing. But on that day, we couldn't even get close. It was like Paul Pierce is returning. The price is hiked up completely. And obviously, the Clippers are, uh, were a decent team at the time. And we all got commemorative Paul Pierce uh, green headbands with the number 34 on, um, <laughs> which I've, I've still got in my pants drawer. The, the game ended up in a Boston win, and then they, you know, they basically, the whole arena was screaming we want Paul so bear in mind that they want to see an opposing player come onto the floor and Doc Rivers was like you know poo-pooing it the whole game because he he wasn't playing many minutes at that time and then in the final minutes he let him on and the place went crazy and Isaiah Thomas basically let him take a three he drained it and the whole place went mental so that was amazing enough I know this is long I apologize but then, 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 no, then as though that wasn't enough it was also Super Bowl Sunday, and I'm no like uh, I'm no like major NFL fan, but it was yeah. something pretty incredible because it just happened to be the Super Bowl in which the New England Patriots had that like incredible comeback. I'm not sure if you know, it's it's like yeah, a real. I remember. Yeah, and it was like unbelievable. Like even as a non football fan, I I couldn't believe what I was seeing, and and the scenes in the Boston bar that we were at. Let me just say, it was not safe for work. It was really, it was really <laughs> something spectacular that night. It was, it was like nothing I've experienced because the whole city went crazy, partying on the street. Uh, bearing in mind, it was the same day I'd see, I'd, I'd, I'd been f- in like an arena full of people just saying goodbye to like my all-time. Well, I guess one of my all-time basketball heroes. Truly, a surreal mm-hmm. week, and I'll, I'll never forget it. I mean, I, I bet you forgot about your illness, then. I tell you what, I'd, I the first couple of quarters of the, I think it was the Toronto game where he, you know, where he went nuts and 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 shot forty four. I was in, I was on another planet. You know, when you're just like not with it at all, and <laughs> I was just kind of staring forward. And then he got hot when the game got close in the fourth quarter. And there's there's like local Boston TV uh, footage of me. <laughs> just as he's about to hit a huge shot i've got my hands up in the air like i'm on like like a, in complete 
like it's a euphoric stance basically i i look like i'm in like a in a healing field or like part of a cult and i'm experiencing some some kind of higher power so yeah it really knocked the uh, illness out of me just that pure adrenaline of so thanks very much isaiah for curing me of of whatever i had yeah and thanks baptist for letting it happen as usual <laughs> i didn't want to say it no no I mean, everyone drops big points on us man kobe did it and then everyone thought oh yeah okay raptors easy target <laughs> uh, <laughs> so what okay so apart from watching the celtics uh, what, what other arenas have you been to so i've been to um I, i've been to the the staples center a fair few times okay. um uh not to see the Celtics ever. Unfortunately, never seen this Celtics like Celtics Lakers game in Los Angeles. That would be pretty cool. I probably the best experience I had at the Staples Center was uh, on Easter Sunday. Uh, probably going to say like around two thousand and nine ish. Probably mm-hmm. that's that's just a guesstimate though. Um, and it was the Spurs versus the Lakers. And okay. uh, so obviously you got to see Tim Duncan probably. And I think that was, yeah, that was the only time I've ever seen Tim Duncan play. Amazing. And obviously Kobe Kobe was playing. It was pretty crazy um, and, and pretty good. But the, the real standout moment, uh, sorry, this isn't even necessarily close to talking about the basketball itself. But I, I saw one of the, you know, they have those huge arena speakers hanging over the, the court or like around mm-hmm. the court. Yeah. Started, started kind of shaking and oh, swinging shit. back and forth. Um, and I didn't really know why. And then as we left, I felt like a tremor. And obviously in Los Angeles, it's just like an everyday situation. But for a young boy from Leicestershire, um, I was shitting my pants. Um, <laughs> and like, and, and, and so, so yeah, an earthquake had happened. It made like the speaker above me swing. And I thought, this is, this is just crazy. I'm not used to this kind of thing. Um, and then what happened then is we i was with someone who was driving it's basically like a a, a friend of the family uh, was driving me and my friend from from home to somewhere to eat basically because it was like a lunchtime game and we went to this place in like hermosa beach um one of the beach towns off los angeles and we were just talking about how like Jackson didn't play Kobe enough ga- uh, enough minutes in that, so it lost them the game or whatever. You know, that's what this guy was saying. A lot of kind of Phil Jackson slander. Um, and then as we're going into this, like, otherwise pretty much completely empty Mexican restaurant, like, this huge guy gets out of the car in front of us. Um, bearing in mind, this is, like, 45 minutes after the end of the game. And it's Phil Jackson. And what? he, like, all I see is him, like, wave to, like, my bemused uh, family friend who's, like, just looking forward, thinking, what the... And I even hear his voice, like, bellowing, going, like, thanks, kind of things, like, this incredible, (laughs) deep, amazing voice. And he walked out in front of us, and I was like, well, that's absolutely surreal because there's no one else at this restaurant. It was just a random Mexican restaurant in Hermosa Beach, which I suppose would have been where Phil kind of lives maybe but also like he must have had some kind of trapdoor exit because he was ahead of us and the game had just finished so so like yeah he he was like i'm out of there you know i've got easter sunday dinner to eat but then we got in there and we were doing that thing where you're like should i or should i not ask him for an autograph 
Um, we, we decided against it because we didn't want to bother him. It's Easter Sunday, he's having dinner with his family. But of course, his family is also the Bus family who run because he was married to um, Jeannie Bus. So it was like okay. Lakers ownership and Phil Jackson and then us eating burritos in this Mexican <laughs> restaurant. So that's my biggest Staples Center memory, to be honest. And I've, I've, I've been to a number of like Clippers games with, uh, you know, during the Lob City era. That was pretty good. Mm. Uh, so, uh, and then uh, I've been to, where else have I been? Uh, Chicago, I've been to the United Center for a game. Okay. That was during the Derrick Rose time and, and, and Joakim Noah was, was on fire at the time. And that was a really good experience. That was during my travels that I was on about where I, where we went from, you know, west to east was when we went to 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 Chicago to watch a game. We did walk to the arena, which I would say is not particularly wise in Chicago. And if anyone's been to the United Center, they'll know what I mean. I, I, we walked basically across town okay. to the Chicago Bulls arena, which I just think was kind of the naivety of youth. Um, and I wouldn't advise... Well, too far? Uh, too scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, too scary, I would say. It was, yeah, it was, uh, it was a misguided decision. Um, where else have I been? I've, of course, I've been to the Olympic uh, arena to, uh, in London. I watched... Uh, a few games there. Uh, okay. I've been to a lot around the UK. I've been to the Barcelona one to watch Barcelona play. There must. There's a lot more um, NBA ones, but I, I just they're not coming to my mind. Okay. Well, uh, let me ask you this then: all the games you've been to, because you've been to a shitload of games, who yeah. is the best player that you've seen live? Uh, I mean, that's it's automatic, isn't it? Because like, as much as you don't necessarily want to say it, and it differs from your absolute best but mm. um because i've seen team usa a couple of times okay. uh, you just have to say lebron and 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 you know kevin durant mm. but in terms of indi- individual performance on the day it would be isaiah uh, in terms okay. of witnessing an incredible performance but of course the best best players i've seen are lebron and kevin durant I can't argue with that I can't argue with that at all i've seen steph curry as well but he, he basically didn't play oh okay what was that for, USA or for Warriors? Oh, that was for the Golden State Warriors against the Clippers in oh, LA. Okay. 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 Yeah. Just as that rivalry was sort yeah, of brewing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's sweet, man. Mate, oh, I'm, I'm jealous of your of your NBA travels, mate. Yeah. I, I, I've been quite conscious of it um, when, when speaking to you today, thinking... It sounds as though I'm an absolute silver spoon, <laughs> mid- middle class, rich boy with all these like family connections. But let me just affirm that I'm actually from a working class background that just hap- I, I happen to be someone who has committed a lot to go into watch basketball rather than, you know, on a whim should I head to. So like I said, there was a lot of saving to go mm. to these games and there was a lot of um, you know, sacrificing my holiday for the year to go watch, you know. So I, I, I just love it so much. Similar to you, it's just like a, a passion of mine. Uh, and I've, I've been really fortunate with timing and stuff and been able... And, and, and also, over here, another advantage of mine is, like I said before, just having like-minded people to go to the games with that happen to be, be my really good friends uh, who also love basketball. So 
it's 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 been an absolute joy man and uh you know what this conversation is really making me realize just how uh lucky mate, I've been. mate listen no no one is uh judging you at all man I'm, I'm i'm loving you i'm loving your journey <laughs> loving your journey man okay yeah. you spend a lot of money in basketball as you said has there been anything that you've like spent money on that afterwards you've been like oh, why did i spend that much money on that or why did i spend that hmm yeah Madison Square Garden really? tickets. No. Um, uh, what? So I don't know. So anything that I have been somewhat kind of underwhelmed. Yeah. By, or any 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 bit of merchandise uh, that you bought and like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have got that. Yeah. You know what? The first thing that comes to mind is, I don't know why, but I went. So you know how kids, generally speaking, they're like, you know, they they pick a team, and they stay loyal to that team to the point where they're like aggressively biased about things and you know they won't they won't wear a color if it's of a certain yeah, team's yeah. color you know i've almost been like a benjamin button version of that to be honest where i used to just think oh nba jerseys mm-hmm. are cool um so like i like boston celtics the best but i'll pretty much get anyone's jersey and now weirdly i've become someone who's feels yucky for wearing someone else's jersey um, and I'm, I'm way too old to be bothered by that um, but I think that the worst investment I had was when I thought there was a point to me buying an Eric Bledsoe Phoenix Suns alternate jersey and like he was in his pomp he was like a fairly decent player at the time but like why and when was I ever yeah, going to wear that as soon as you said Eric Bledsoe I was like oh my gosh dude yeah, like, just who, what the hell? Like, I had it shipped from the oh US. Gosh. Like, why, why, I don't even, like, the suns are cool, but why did I get, I, I could, yeah, I can't even provide an answer to that or justify anything. It just makes no sense that I would want an Eric Bledsoe alternate jersey, but hey, I have one. I mean, so. does Eric Bledsoe even have one of his own jerseys? <laughs> No, Eric Bledsoe, funnily enough, has one of my jerseys. Um, he, he he paid for it. He paid for the shipping. Oh man! Um, do, do you have like okay? What other like weird, like quirky, like random bits of merch do you have? I have an Al Horford plush teddy bear oh, nice. that I would say is. I was about to say something that sounds insanely weird, but. I was going to say it's in strange proximity to my bed. <laughs> I absolutely don't mean that in any kind of... Mate, I'm not joking. What, what you uh, do in your sick. bedroom is your business, mate. <laughs> no, I, I actually bought it as a gift. This is going to kind of this is going to add on to the weirdness, but I actually bought it as a gift for my uh, girlfriend, who's a big Al Horford oh, fan. Nice. Um, she, she's a fan of his eyelashes, as many people are. <laughs> Uh, it's basically just a teddy bear with Horford's jersey on, but um, I'd say that's quite weird. I've got a couple of no, yeah, that's about it, really. I've got a couple of rand. I've got way too many like shooting shirts of the Celtics that like I don't really wear, and in fact, I've just got way too many jerseys. But um, uh, in in terms of impressive, I really like my uh, All Star Larry Bird jersey from I believe like ninety one. Or some I can't remember the year, but the All Star Game, Larry Bird, uh, really like that. And I've got a Jason Tatum All Star jersey from a couple of years mm. ago, but 
what they did is they um, they basically misprinted the colors. So because they weren't entirely sure what colors people were going to be wearing because the selections hadn't happened, they just thought, fuck it, and they printed the jerseys anyway. So I have like a wrong color uh, Jason Tatum all-star jersey that in fact he wore, I believe he wore blue, but I've got some gun, I've got a red jersey with Tatum on. <laughs> okay. I mean, that might be worth a lot of money, like one day, you know what I mean? In the way that, like, misprinted Pokemon cards are worth thousands something of pounds. Something like that, yeah. Like that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, some sort of weird yeah. universe reverse trick. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll keep my eye out. How, how, many, how many jerseys do you have, then, like, in total? Oh, I don't know. Um, it may be better to ask my girlfriend, who tracks it much closer than me, because uh, she isn't buzzing about the amount of storage space it takes up. Take, takes a couple of drawers. Um, but honestly, I wouldn't be able to put a number on it. I'd say up to like, I mean, I'm not a collector. I'm not someone who's like religiously collecting it. So I, I'm not not in that zone. Well, I definitely have too many, but may, maybe around like 50. Okay. And I wear like, I wear like two. <laughs> Mate, that sounds like a typical NBA fan, man. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Is, is your girlfriend a Celtic fan as well? She's a Celtics fan by proxy. Okay, cool. um, she's I, she's a, she's a keen appreciator of a lot of basketball players, um, if, if you know what I mean. Yes, <laughs> um, but 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 not like she, she she's been to Celtics fa- uh, games and really enjoyed it and got behind them. Okay. Um, and and I, in fact, we we used to be quite avid Leicester Riders games goers okay. um, together, and we'd have a season ticket together. So she really got into that, but. She just just by the fact that most mornings she will wake up um, or be woken up at you know half six in the morning to watch League Pass um, with a cup of coffee. She has kind of absorbed a lot of Celtics and 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 by that by that justification she may be a semi Celtics fan. No, mate, cool. That's good. That's good enough, mate. She's a keeper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's talk about your work with Double Clutch. Um, so mm-hmm. tell us, how, how did that come about? How did you get into that? So naturally, I mean, like I said, I've, I've usually f- tried to find as many reasons to talk about basketball as I can. Um, one of those ways was just thinking, like, let's start writing about it. Um, I always had an appetite for writing about sport. And I remember coming out of uni, I was like, okay, so I'm going to I'm going to apply for writing jobs. I'm going to try and get some journalism roles. And it's basically a golden ticket to get a paid journalism job without building somewhat of a readership or following. And essentially, I started to like, as well as having a full-time job, started to think, Let, let's start blogging. I, I wrote my own blog, wrote a few basketball pieces, looked for different places in the UK that talk about it on podcasts because mm. I've always been, a, you know, since the birth of podcasts, really, I've been a keen listener. And I reached out to them, sent them my piece for review. And since then, it was like the rest is history, really. I've been been with them, I believe, since like 2014, maybe. I've been able to do some amazing things. We went to some 2K, NBA 2K events over in the States. Um, with them to to cover them, uh, been to a lot of the uh, NBA London games to review, uh, to write an interview. Been to a lot of like NBA practice sessions covering basketball for them. So it's just fantastic. And 
the amount of coverage in the UK has increased tenfold um, over the last few mm. years, and it's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. Um, but it's almost kind of rendered as something of a, like an old, a group of old men uh, talking about basketball now. But it's, it's just been such a great avenue to talk about uh, the game. And as life goes on, more things kind of get in the way. Uh, but that kind of thing will never completely go. I'll always have an appetite to, to, to cover basketball and write interesting stories about, about basketball where I can. Nice, man. Have you got to meet a lot of like players and you know, coaching and stuff? Yeah, yeah. So we've interviewed players on the podcast a few times um, and kind of usually like fringe staff, a lot of that. Uh, I've had a lot of NBA, uh, WNBA access, which is really great. Uh, spoken to like kind of GMs and coaches across the WNBA, but mostly it was like um, the involvement in NBA London that that really kind of ki- kickstarted things. I was able to like ask a lot of questions in the press conferences. Uh, I spoke to Adam Silver at the press conferences, okay. Ben Simmons, uh, Joel Embiid. Brad Stevens I met in the Oto Arena, which is incredible. Um, we were able to go to their practice sessions. Uh, I went to the Knicks and the Wizards practice sessions when they played in, in London. And then over, uh, you can basically just go up and scrum by them as most kind of beat reporters do in the US and have a good conversation with them. And then obviously through that, you can source material and, and write stories, basically trying to find a new slant. The other thing as well is when we went over to Los Angeles to cover the launch of um, NBA 2K18, mm. me, Mike Miller, uh, Mo Moonsey, who I'm sure yep. you know, mm-hmm. who covers Sky Sports, and, and many more. Uh, Joe Pynchon now, who does a lot of media work for the Chicago Bulls, which is incredible. Um, we were all over there. It's like a big brick contingent covering uh, the NBA 2K launch, and it was incredible. And not only did we get to go to the launch event launch event itself and be like the first people on the planet to play the game but and, and meet the creators. Uh, we covered some of it on the podcast. We had conversations with uh, the creators themselves. But we actually had a, a, an in with uh, the, the trainer, Drew Hanlon. So do you know who Drew Hanlon is? He's mm. like a popular NBA, NBA coach who do who works with a lot of like elite players in the summer. Okay. So people like Jason Tatum and Bradley Beal like really attribute their progress to him. There's, a, there's loads more. Um, and essentially, we found out where his gym is in, in oh, LA nice. and we had like a connection through a friend of a friend of a friend. We were able to get his number and, and text him and just say, can we pop down? We, we got an Uber, it was like 45 minutes away, and got the Uber to this kind of small high school, dusty, unassuming gym where you would think no elite basketball was happening. <laughs> it, it was like, and there was obviously a reason for that, it's so that people wouldn't think that these players are going there. And we went in and just sat on the sidelines, spoke to Drew for a little bit. Uh, I wrote a story on Double Clutch, which is still online, uh, about it. But basically we were... They were like, oh, you know, it's the the World Cup, the FIBA tournament was just about to happen, and they were like, oh, the the Spain team's just been in here to practice. Uh, later, we've got this team in this international team. Oh, here comes Shemi Ojale. Oh, Ryan Anderson's <laughs> in. So it was just like a, a pop up shop, really, for like NBA players to come in and, and get some shots in, and it was just incredible, really. It was just like a absor- absorbent experience where you were just like. 
I can't really believe I'm here. <laughs> um, I'm just a bloke from Northamptonshire, and, and 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 with my mate Mike, we're just sitting here thinking we're surrounded by NBA players, and it's just that kind of thing where you think I'm I'm really appreciative to have met people through Double Clutch who like uh, have that shared passion. Mm. Uh, and we were able to make the most of it and just go and seek as many opportunities as possible. Right. Well, before we move on, what's, what's, the, what's the plug again for, for Double Clutch? Uh, Doubleclutch.uk is the site. Um, it's an ongoing stream, uh, streamed conversation now on Twitch. Uh, we're having a bit of a break at the moment, but uh, we'll be back soon. And the, the graphics that we ha- now have are incredible. It's really worth joining in on the community where you can. There's a chat button to get involved. And we have a lot of, if, if you just search Double Clutch UK or Double Clutch Josh Coin, my name, you'll be able to see all the stories I've been able to write over time. And usually it's trying to find something strange or interesting about the game. And uh, I, I really enjoy it. Nice, nice. Check that out, man. Check that out, people. All right. Now we're going to move into the, um, the, the, the bit where you get to, you, you get the power. Right? You get to choose your... Your yeah. very own starting five, right? As I said mm-hmm. to all the guests from previously, it doesn't have to be necessarily the five best players, just five players that mean something to you, okay? So mm-hmm. no one can argue with it. it. Only you know how you feel about these players. So it's, it's all it's all up to you, bro. So let's hear, let's hear your starting five. So I'm going to do some positional shifting okay. here. Am I allowed to Am I allowed to cheat? Mate, am I allowed to do a bit it's, of... It's your team. It's your side. Okay. It is heavily biased, of course, <laughs> okay. um, because it's my favourite five. But the, uh, there is a bit of a spanner in the works, and I'll get to that. It might it might cause a bit of a surprise. So I've already spoken about him. At point guard, I'd, I, I'd have Isaiah Thomas. Yep. It, it just means a lot to me. I, that, that moment in, in my life, that week, um, obviously following him through those couple of years where he was just borderline unplayable at his size, able to find space where no one else could, mm. the quickness, the shooting, the spirit, basically. And I, I thought like he really embodied what I like uh, about basketball itself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just a special experience to watch him when he was at his prime. Mm-hmm. Secondly, I w- I'm going to shift. This is really shifting things. It's extreme tall ball that I'm playing. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to I'm going to play Larry Bird at the uh, at, at shooting guard. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's he's Larry Legend. I've watched more Larry highlights than anybody. He embodies a lot of kind of what I love about the game. He didn't take didn't take anyone's shit. He he, he could score in any way he wanted. Mm. He defended his ass off. He tried stuff nobody else would. Often when you watch his highlights, you're like, no one else is going to try and make that pass. Yeah. Um, you know, the little behind the heads, the little... He's, he's just a crafty passer. Really, really just a bold, bold personality. And he's achieved greatness in every role he's taken on. So, you know, he's been the MVP, he's been coach of the year, he's been general manager of the year or, or whatever they call it. And you really can't you can't knock that he's a, he's a true great so i've got him at shooting guard okay someone else i've already spoken about i've got paul pierce okay. at small forward mm-hmm. and this is in spite of his extreme tomfoolery recently online <laughs> um, he's he's been my favorite player for a large portion of my life um when i had 
that kind of huge NBA revelation that I spoke about mm-hmm. in like 2006. Pierce was the guy long before Garnett was even there, I suppose. Um, and he he did it all. He was athletic in the first third of his career. He was if you could, people kind of sleep on the fact that he was an out of this world athlete when he first came into this league. His dunks were amazing, um, and he kind of developed into this like incredible shot maker, someone who was able to like take the team on his back. Yeah. Um, and, and and also an amazing facilitator. So a proper gamer. I just love Paul Pierce. Okay. He's the truth. Cool. Kevin Garnett is going to play power forward. Okay. Make no mistake. I, I wouldn't necessarily want to like spend time with Kevin Garnett. He's like <laughs> frighteningly intense, isn't he? Like, <laughs> the, other, the other thing is as well, he's just like, he doesn't eat food. I saw an interview where he was saying like he's scared of like a bowl of spaghetti. So talk about someone who's like unrelatable because I'll do anything to eat pasta. And you sort of like get the feeling he would like bark at you for the strangest things if you met him. But <laughs> but 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 what a crazy crazy incredible player. I mean, I feel as though we're going to have a bit of a realization soon because he's got a documentary coming out. Yeah. And I feel like the way that The Last Dance made people realise that certain players, in fact, were incredible. Like, probably Scottie Pippen, despite what he's trying to do now by slagging Michael off at any opportunity. Mm. It kind of made people realise, actually, Scottie Pippen was an incredible player in his own right. I feel like people might have a bit of, like, their recency bias will be washed away, like, when they see what Garnett was in his prime. Like, even before he was in Boston, he was MVP, he was absolutely amazing he was like a trailblazer and he basically represents what the league became for me in terms of like he's essentially one of the first few kind of positionless people who you could put in most positions he'd be able to do a job for you Mm. at that size Mm. um and of course he's an amazing personality (laughs) if have have you uh, read the recent gq profile on him no i haven't I thoroughly recommend you, yourself and uh, any of the listeners who are listening to that to go back and read it because, my goodness, some incredible stories. No, Nobody expresses themselves quite in the same way as Kevin Garnett. Oh, okay. Um, I will check that out for definite. To, yeah, I thoroughly recommend it. And I've got... Um, here's the curveball then. Okay. Uh, this is the obvious curveball in the group, especially because arguably this person's most famous play is dunking on the guy that I put at small forward. So so do you know, can you work out from that who it is? Okay, so small forward, you got Paul Pierce. Yeah. Who dunked on Paul Pierce? It was a big dunk. It was like a, a, tr- a coast-to-coast dunk, and it fouled Pierce out of the game. So really, I should hate him. Okay, I'll, I'll tell you. Hmm. It's uh, Joakim Noah. And I, I just... He's just somebody I absolutely loved watching during, like, uh, I suppose sometimes it's one of those things where you like all the music you liked from when you were, like, in university. Mm. Well, Joakim and, and, like, Dirk Nowitzki were, like, the most likable and incredible, like, players on that weren't LeBron or, like, the real big dogs at the time um, that, that kind of sort of felt like outsiders despite... Their, their background and when I was at university that was like Joakim Noah was the most fun player to watch for okay. me he was he was somebody that despite the fact that he came from like this privileged background of professional sports he always still felt like somebody who wasn't quite 
in the group, if you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah. And the the way he like kept exceeding expectations and making the most of a skill set that isn't necessarily sexy. And he was always like willing to fight the big dogs with like that aggression and confidence and say how he felt and has some of the most legendary interviews in NBA history in press <laughs> yeah. conferences. So yeah, Joe Joe Kim Noah's my in my center and he kind of wraps up my uh, favorite five okay, nice i mean just you're not the first person to have a rocky Noah actually in their starting five so yeah not not a bad shout mate who, who I, I can i guess who Go it on. is you've interviewed ginger shack is that correct? Well, no it wasn't g-shack actually no it wasn't oh who was it It was uh brin, brin oh Cooper wow was also a, okay. a bulls fan yeah well i Despite my Boston bias, I have to say he's he's one of my favorite. I, I tried to stick with mostly people that I have seen okay. play. Uh, so of course I haven't seen Bill Russell. I haven't seen some of yeah, the big yeah. Celtics uh, greats. Uh, but joking though, just just unbelievably entertaining. So I, I join. I'm glad to join Bryn in the group. <laughs> nice team. Uh, Isaiah Thomas, Larry Bird, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, and Joaquin Noah. Cool, bro. Thank, mate. This has been um, it's been it's been a great chat, man. It's it's great to hear your your, your stories, your your journey, mate. You've 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 had a quite a basketball life, mate. Yeah, once again, really, really, really lucky. Um, and I'm, you know, I, I'm aware that I rambled on to a certain degree, but it's just great to share some of my memories and like make myself realize just how fortunate i've been, been great man great um if people want to follow you uh where can they again mate we've already spoken about this <laughs> offline but uh there's an incredible pun on my name which is uh at pound coin c-o-y-n-e on twitter um and instagram and i'm not exactly an expert on it but if you want to follow me on tiktok it's anything but net <laughs> nice man Check out those uh, social media handles, guys. Uh, and as always, check out NBA UK fans uh, on Insta and Twitter. The handle is NBA underscore UK fans. And Kevin Support the Podcast. It's available on all the usual podcast platforms. We'll be back for another episode of Me, Myself and Basketball. For me, Nathan Caton. Brought to you by NBA UK fans. And of course, by the fans, for the fans. Until next time, see you around. Take care.